Welcome to Catholic Radio for Katie Anna's presentation of Cajun Catholics. Here's your host, Todd Citron. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, good and gracious God, we thank you so much for our Catholic faith, our Catholic traditions. Katie Anna, Lord, and all the ways that you've worked around us. Lord, we ask that you keep our hearts and minds focused on you. Help us to recognize the many blessings in our lives, never to take anything for granted. Lord, we ask that you continue to send your Holy Spirit to guard, guide, and protect us. And we ask all this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and through the loving hands of your blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. Amen. Amen, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. You're listening to another episode of Cajun Catholics. I'm your host, Todd Citron, only this is not just another episode of Cajun Catholics. We have the outstanding Father Andrew Schumacher. He's the parochial vicar at St. John's Cathedral. Welcome to the show. It is an honor to be here, Todd. This is amazing. Well, Father, I appreciate you being here. We kind of talked about getting you on the show for a little while. Father's a rock star in, uh, in Lafayette and a, a real soldier for Christ. And I know a little bit about your story, but I want you to t- tell us a little bit about yourself from the beginning. Look, here's the thing. I'm a priest now, and I'm extremely happy to be a priest. The last thing I wanted to do, though, so I'm from Crowley, Louisiana, went to St. Michael's School growing up and enjoyed life very much. I would have those people that would come up to me and say, have you ever thought about being a priest? And I would look at them with this very nasty look and say, please get away from me. I never wanted to hear that. And that's a similar story with many guys. But as life would go on, you surround yourself with good people in a good environment. The Lord makes himself known. Went to Notre Dame High School and went through some great retreats over there, found myself in front of the Blessed Sacrament. And through that, the Lord just kept calling and calling, found myself at UL in a fraternity and lived that kind of life and had a great time. But the Lord just kept hugging and pulling and calling me and eventually made it to St. Ben's in Covington and then Notre Dame in New Orleans and I got jackpot to hit the cathedral for my first assignment and it's been a blessing ever since. So you went to Notre Dame twice is what I'm hearing. That's it. The Blessed Virgin has been <laughs> close to me. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, um, I like to talk about the Cajun Catholics and the, the uh, and who we are. Crowley is a special place. Um the Pios, you know, traditionally strong football, strong Catholics, good good German uh, people here in Acadiana. You know, what is it that makes uh, Crowley so special? Well, we've got a, a, a tight-knit community. We have a few great schools over there. And just people stay in Crowley, which is amazing. My closest friends, they've moved right back. They're raising their families. And it's this tradition that makes it such a special place with some great programs, great coaches, great teachers. And just uh, families that get together every Sunday, and that's what it's all about. I think it's the most tight-knit you know, community in, in Acadiana, it seems like to me, especially when it comes to sports and, and again, in faith. And I love that. Uh, I'm, I'm a big sports fan. And I know you like sports. You, you played a little bit. I did. I was able to play. When you go to a school like Notre Dame, a little bit smaller of a school, you're able to play a few different sports. So I played football, basketball, tennis. Did a little bit of track, so we were able to participate in quite a bit. I think I was the only, though, one of the few classes in the past 20 years that made it four years at Notre Dame without winning a state championship in football. Ooh, that's almost impossible. It is almost impossible, but we managed to do it. <laughs> and you still watch a lot of sports today? You I do, it? I do. Right now I'm involved a lot with St. Thomas More, and I'm Get to watch a lot of their events and uh, go back to Notre Dame and watch some of their games, their football games and basketball games. So it is a blessing. I love it. 
That's great. So I think, you know, I get the feeling knowing you a little bit that you have a very competitive, um, that you're a competitive person. And I would ask you this for all of our listeners out there. How do you balance competition, fair, good competition and faith? Because it's it seems like it's not easy, especially as parents. I agree with that. It is. It's not easy. And I think we have to keep our priorities in line, which I tell every couple that I help prepare for marriage, God first, your family, your spouse right underneath that, and then everything else falls underneath. So if we keep God at the very priority, we're making Mass every Sunday, we're praying as a family, hopefully on a nightly basis, making time for family meals, you'll do that. As far as the competitive aspect, I know when I got to seminary, that competitive streak in me was way too high. Someone introduced me to the litany of humility, and I started praying that every single day. I prayed it for two years. I lost more tennis games and basketball games <laughs> after pl- praying that prayer, but it also balanced me. I recognized I was way too competitive, and when I lost, I would get way too angry. But that litany of humility really helped me out. Okay, so I struggle with this because I feel like as I've gotten older, I have lost my competitive edge, and, it, and it, to me it, it, it bleeds over into business as well. And I don't want to lose that, and I'm trying to balance you know, my spirituality at the same time but still be super competitive. I mean, you, you mentioned you lost those games. I mean, I don't think that's what God wants. You know, you still, you, you, I think he wants you to win. How do we do that? Well, here's the thing. When we win— all right, our excitement, our high should should be at a certain level, but it shouldn't be, I'm going to rub it in everyone's face. There should be a certain balance and peace between those highs and those lows. So when we lose, we're not spiking the ball or kicking it over the fence. We recognize that's part of life. We're going to try even harder next time. And with all that, I mean, more practice, go out there and play a little bit more. But what we want to be is Christ-like in our wins and in with our losses. And I, I, I'm with you. I, I don't like when I lose and I'm not that upset anymore because I want that competitive streak to continue on. But I think a, a humble, contrite heart, you know, just being level with our highs and lows is where we want to be. Tell me, um, is there in, in your priesthood and moving forward, you know, um, it, how can you pull that competitive? I know that you, you, you have a, a, a great desire to – convert people and through uh father did my my uh my daughter's wedding and um one of the things that i'll never forget is we went hunting before that and he mentioned that you know at the wedding one of the things that he intended to do was to convert souls you know he hoped that people had conversions through the wedding process and whatnot and that that touched me and i remembered that very well and i know that's sort of of something that's certainly at your forefront but in your vocation are there competitive um are there things that you desire out there? You know, or is that not really something you think about? Converting souls, I think, is what it's all about. A, a priest is supposed to be a bridge between man and God, and uh, and a bridge we have to welcome people. We have to meet people where they're at. For me, I feel like converting people a lot of times comes within sports. For me, we play basketball with a group of guys on Monday nights, and it gets rough and it gets intense. We begin with prayer. And uh, we talk about different things. It's great fraternity. But I, I remember the saint, blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati. He's not a canonized saint yet, but he's getting close. And he would challenge his friends. The first one up on the mountain, he said he would pay him money. But if he got to the top of the mountain first, they would all have to attend mass with him. <laughs> I like that, that desire right there, that thought process. Let's get people. Once you get them in and they experience a little bit of the truth and the beauty of what Christ has to offer and the church has to offer— they're, they're in. 
but it's just getting them in the door. And sometimes the way we get them in the door is through competition, through sports, through games, everything else. I um, like to talk about how the reach of the Cajun Catholics is so broad. And I read a little bit about how many different places you have missioned to. But tell us a little bit about your missions and how that, that mixes into your ministry. I was blessed to go on my first mission when I was a senior in high school at Notre Dame. We went down to Statilo, Mexico with uh, a group of people with Magnificat Travel. And I remember going there and being in this great area of poverty, but knowing my life would change forever. That had a great desire for mission. You hear it all the time. You go to serve and you feel like you receive more than you have given. That's because that's how God wired us. The gospel says, give and you will be given. A good measure, overflowing, packed together, will be poured upon your lap. And so the more we give, the more we receive. And so that started my desire for mission. I remember going through college, still hoping to go on a mission, finally getting into seminary and thinking to myself, all right, this is where hearts are being converted is through service and through the poverty. So we started a little mission group called Mission Renew going to Haiti. We've been doing that for seven years now. I brought my college fraternity brothers, friends, uh, people who have been away from the church for many years, and you go put them in an environment of utter poverty but also utter beauty with people that have very little but great faith, these walls get knocked down and people see the goodness and the beauty of Christ within that. And then hearts come closer to Jesus. That's what it's all about. We've been doing that. I was able to go to Haiti several, seven times in the past these seven years. We've gone to Nicaragua, Nicaragua, Guatemala, been down to Puerto Rico, Brazil, all over the place. That's awesome. You know, it was, uh, ironically enough, um, your mom and I connected on a mission trip and, um, you know, just was beautiful. Um, uh, we had gone to Puerto Rico with St. Thomas More, and, um, you know, it's, it's just, I know that feeling. I've gotten, I've had the great pleasure to go with each of my three daughters on mission, and it's, it's, we were talking about Curcio earlier. It was a Curcio experience for me. You know, it's uh, where you really get intimate with the Lord. I was able to watch The Shack last night. I'd seen it and I'd read the book, but God, that was a great movie. And um, and just to know the relationship with the Father, it touched me. But that's where it all happens out on mission. I think so. You know. Well, that's right. Once we get away from our normal surroundings, we put down the phone a little bit and we just go into God's nature and His creation, and we interact on a one-on-one basis with our brothers from that we don't know necessarily, we might not even speak their language. But it's amazing how at the end of the day, even if you did not speak one word in the same language, you feel like you've been communicating with them the whole day. And that's how God, I think, wired it up. It's amazing to see. One of the uh, previous guests on our show, John Listy, had spoken of his uh, mission trip that he went on one time, and they asked him to speak <clears throat> to this uh, orphanage and these young kids, and, and he spoke. he doesn't know a lick of Spanish, and the Holy Spirit overcame him, and he spoke for half an hour to these kids in Spanish, and he, he related that story. That's so so awesome. I love the supernatural, you know. Uh, so I always wonder, you know, as as a priest, you know, I, I, a lot of people see supernatural things at Curcia and the Eucharist and whatnot, and, you know, um, at that moment where you consecrate the Eucharist, you know, I always wonder, you know, is there something really supernatural going on there? Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm sure you've experienced some supernatural things. Uh, t- tell us some of you, you, th- those moments for you in your life. Well, you, you brought up John Listy, and he was on the first trip that I've ever been on, first mission trip down there in Mexico. 
And I was not with his group. He was with St. Thomas More. I was with Notre Dame. We had about 100, 200 people on top of this rooftop singing, praising the Lord, and just entering into prayer. I was in the very back, as most guys were, and I remember John coming up to me. He's never met me before in my life. Went through the crowd, walked up right to me, said, Hey, I'm John Listy. Have you ever thought about becoming a priest? No way. That's these little signs that we can't deny. Like these moments you experience in these missions or these retreats where divine works, God works, and you can't deny it. It's not just mere coincidence. And so is the supernatural? Absolutely. It happens. It takes place all the time. We just have to have eyes to see and to recognize it. That's so beautiful. Uh, I want to remind our listeners, you're listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. We have Father Andrew Schumacher. He's the parochial vicar at uh, St. John's Cathedral. And how long have you been a priest now? A couple years now, I think? Two, Going, three years? Yeah, almost two years, a year and a half uh, getting there. Been it a, happens fast. It, it moves quickly. <laughs> it is remarkable. Uh, Go ahead, Father. I was just going to say I was uh, I was able to Google you last night a little bit and watch your your first homily on YouTube, and um, and so tell us about you know what is it? Uh, um, how much preparation do you do for a general homily? Sunday homily, we should be reading the gospel by Monday and just chewing on it throughout the week, and that's what I try to do. I do a Friday men's Bible study where we open up the gospel again and talk about it, and that really helps. I allow a lot of the Holy Spirit to work. We, uh, I even have a group of priests, and we kind of share ideas throughout the week. So there's a lot of different things that go into it. I thought I would always have to write down my homilies and read them, and that's how I was as a deacon. But praise the Lord, that would take me so long. <laughs> and now I have my three points or whatever I want to make, and I rely a lot on the Holy Spirit. When I walk up right before I preach the, the homily or, or read the gospel, I say, come Holy Spirit, just work through me and he has definitely provided tell me about a typical routine what's a day in your life are you do you exercise still a little bit i do and my exercise is pretty unique what i do i wake up around 6 a.m somewhere around there hopefully go into the chapel do my morning prayers office of readings and then i go greet the students every morning and uh, get to know them by name i'll go back and we'll have a little meetings or whatnot at work but I find myself back on campus at some point, and this is basically my workout a few times a week. I go to recess, and I have about 100 kids that chase me, <laughs> and I run for my life. It's great cardio, and that's basically what my workout consists of, that and Monday night basketball. Nice. <clears throat> so tell me about the youth. You're around our kids uh, constantly, and um, I, I'm just a believer that kids today are better than they're better than we were, I can tell you. Uh, but they're, you know, you hear a lot of doom and gloom about you know how the world's going to hell in a handbasket. But I, don't, I just don't believe that, especially here in South Louisiana. I see the church is full. I went to uh, Ash Wednesday Mass at St. Jules, and I mean, you couldn't put another person either inside or outside that place. And I really believe our community is on fire. But what do you? What's your? What's your encouragement for the youth? I'm just happy to hear you say that. You're right. The world does kind of preaches doom and gloom with our youth. They are amazing. And that's why I get to spend so much time with them, because I see that they truly are amazing. Um, we see, I'm seeing kids that are sacrificing their penances this year, and I've asked most of our students, what, what have you given up? They're doing things that I wouldn't dare give up at their age. So we see they're very motivated. They're praying. They know Scripture. Uh, at the same time, right, there's more 
evil that exists or there's more temptations now for them that they have to be on guard against and we have to know about. So though I see some remarkable things, I also recognize sin is present and the devil does not want any more saints. That's right. But in South Louisiana, obviously we're extremely blessed and we have these traditions of years and years of parents bringing their their kids and their children to Mass and the students and their, their children, they fall in love with it. At the same time, um, do we see some some issues, some some worries with with the phones and technology? Absolutely. Let's talk about that. You know, um, how are kids, eighth graders in particular? There's a lot of adults out here who probably have eighth graders, and I guess the only thing harder than raising an eighth grader is being an eighth grader. And so, what is your advice to the parents and how they handle that social media and whatnot, raising their children? Sure. I mean, the biggest thing to recognize: most kids have a phone this day. The parents own the phone. So let's just know their passwords. Let's check it. Let's be Mm -hmm. vigilant with that. We have a responsibility and a duty to do it. I went into an eighth grade classroom earlier this school year, and I asked those students who have come to know and love, do you think social media is healthy? Do you think it's a good thing? And they were very honest. They said, no, not necessarily. I said, do you think there's evil that exists on social media? And they're like, sure. And I said, well, what if we offer you something, and we'll give you a reward, if you give it up until you graduate from eighth grade. And I thought they were going to stone me out of that classroom for presenting that question. But that's not what happened. It was as if they were waiting for someone to invite them off of it. And I was excited to see that. They said yes to it, so we started up this little program called Look Up, encouraging and challenging students to give up social media until they graduate from middle school. And so we presented it. The students got on board. We had over 80% 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th graders sign up this pledge and this contract to give up social media. And each year that they do it, they'll receive a little reward. But the testimonies so far have been remarkable, where they're praying more, they're spending more time outside, they feel this freedom that they haven't received in a long time, their grades are better. The thing is, I feel like the phones and social media kind of came to us really quick. We didn't really know much about them. We don't, and by themselves, they're not necessarily bad. Uh, you know, a priest said, you know, you should look into the study of smoking whenever cigarettes originally came up. No one thought that would cause any harm. Everyone did it. And then over time, we learned a little bit more and more. Same with social media and with the phones. We're learning more. We're seeing an increase in depression, anxiety, self-harm, everything else. And so now we're saying, all right, let's get back to the basics. Let's have some freedom, some temperance with how we use it, when we use it. It doesn't just affect students. It affects all of us, right? I have to give it up for Lynn as well to find that healthy balance. Parents do the same thing. It could be grandparents. It doesn't matter. It's very attractive and very addictive. And so we just need to make sure we're using it in a smart and wise way. Nice. So uh, I want to ask you this question. Um, Do you read a lot? A little bit? I read a little bit. I okay. have to read uh, certain things. And in seminary, all we did was read and write, I felt like. But I do get to read a little bit. And what is there maybe some books that you have read that you would want to share with our, with our listeners uh, or, or something that you're reading now that, that, that you'd like to recommend? My favorite book in the past few years is written by Jason Everett. It's on John Paul II. It's called St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves. And you just learn about a man who suffered tremendously, but also ended up becoming a holy father. 
and you talk about miracles, read that book, and it could change your, your life, and you see this, this ordinary man who changed the world. His first words after he was elected, do not be afraid, and it's the same thing that we hear over and over again in the Gospels. Don't be afraid. Go out there. Be who God created you to be, and you can literally change the world and change eternity for that. So I'd recommend to go check out that book, John Paul II, His Five Loves. Really, really good. Uh, what you reading right now? Well, <laughs> you know I'm a wild man. I mean, I'm all over the place. I read Zephaniah last night. Um, been, you know, I dive into these books of the Old Testament for some reason. That's where the Holy Spirit brings me. And um, I haven't been a good reader like 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 I have been in the past. So um, I, I, I haven't done real good. But but Zephaniah is like, whew, fire and brimstone. I mean, it's like not. It's mean. Uh, God just puts hell, hell, hell down on uh, on on the people, and it's, it's a big threat. I don't know. I didn't get a whole lot out of that book. I told you I read uh, read Tobit. I loved Tobit. I would so recommend to uh, our listeners to read the book of Tobit. is phenomenal. And having gone through a marriage uh, with my daughter, and and you being a big part of that, that was uh, just the Holy Spirit sent that down to me. It's a, it's a great story. I challenge our readers to read Tobit. Amen. Yeah. Um, so I want, I'm going to get back at you. Um, at the wedding, he mentioned that he and I had gone hunting and we got pulled over by the cops and, uh, I didn't expect that at the wedding to come out in public, but, uh, it did. And what you, you only told half that story father, uh, you know, we got pulled over in Jennings over there and I was apparently going too fast, but I wasn't. And, um, and I just want to let, our listeners know that he's still a priest and alive today because of me, because he was ready to jump out the car and go, uh, you know, vigorously, um, how would you say, have a conversation with the policeman. But, but I said, father, if they give me a ticket, it's okay. I'm, I'll just pay the ticket. We'll go about our business. And, and we finally got let off. So just wanted to clear the record. That's a couple of signs of that story. First off, <laughs> first off, I'll be honest. We were not speeding. I'm watching him the entire we're time. We're going two miles under the speed limit. And I like to go at least the speed limit, the speed limit, you know. So right. I was like, he's going kind of slow. The, the police officer pulls us over, and within 10 seconds, Todd's like, this guy's a priest. I'm not lying to you. He <laughs> used the priest cord that quickly. Sometimes you got to pull it. Oh, my goodness. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, anything's fair game in a homily. So, of course, I brought that up. But he did let us go, which was nice, and we made it to our hunt, and uh, we saw right. a ton of birds. We, we, we should have killed our limit. No excuses. No uh, excuses there. But, um, yeah, it's not uh, – I haven't been – I've been pulled over a few times in my life. But, you know, um, I have that bond for the rest of our lives that we were – you know, we had the cop behind us in, in, the, in the same car. That's, that's big. We'll carry that with us forever. <laughs> so, um, okay, so tell me, Father, um, is there – you got to go to the Holy Land, right? I did. Okay. And so tell me if there's a particular Bible character that you most relate to or if there was something in the Holy Land that, that sort of brought you know, brought that all together for you. Well, first name's Andrew, and I love the Apostle Andrew. I love what I pick up from him is is, is optimism, right? He, he finds this little kid that has a couple of fish and a, maybe a few loaves, and he brings it to the Lord, and he says, you know, this is probably not going to work. It's probably not good enough, but this is what we got. The Lord just in turn takes that and works a big miracle. We spent time at the Sea of Galilee and just praying those scriptures where they took place. I thought to myself, I want to bring as many people as possible over here to experience this, and hopefully over my priesthood I'll get to do that. But, of course, um, the, uh, the disciples, his original 12 that he called, but particularly 
Andrew, we don't hear too much about him, but the times we do, I feel like I relate with him. I'm glad my mother was kind enough to name me after him. I have a brother named Andrew, and uh, I love Andrew too. And uh, is is Andrew Peter's brother? Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, first one to be called, yeah. right? And yeah. that's it. Like you know, God called me. Peter's way better as far as you know. He's going to be the first holy, first pope, first leader right here. Upon this, I'll build my church. But he called Andrew first, and now, Andrew went and got his brother. Tell me, uh, what do you have on the horizon with some mission trips or some trips planned? We'll go back to Haiti. Hopefully, it's safe enough to go over there. We'll bring some young adults. I'll go back to Puerto Rico with a high school coming up. That's always exciting. And the missionary charity are right here down University. We just go spend time with them, and you'll find mission wherever you need to go, not too far from home. Now, I went to cathedral. Uh, my whole family went to cathedral, so it's um, I had all my sacraments at cathedral, and uh, it's a special place. And now with you being there, you know, I'm not just saying that to you. Uh, it's, 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 and Father Chester is amazing. Uh, y'all really got it going on. Uh, you know, um, talk a little bit about your parish. The, big, the biggest thing that we got going on is beautiful liturgies, beautiful Mass, and the Eucharist is taking place every single day. But we also have a school with 800 students, 500, over 500 families, and just to, to merge the school and the parish is what's taking place right now. We're seeing more and more families show up to Mass where they have, they'll pass four or five Catholic churches on their way to cathedral on a Sunday, you know, and they're making that commitment. We're blessed to have Catholic churches all over the place. But to invest into your parish, to show up on Sundays, to build community, to do all these things, to get to know more people, that's what we're seeing right now. And the students, they want to go to Mass at Cathedral. So it's beautiful to see. Very exciting. Yeah, you know, I think of cathedral, I think old, you know, it's traditional. And, you know, I think back when I was uh, in high school, college, you know, it was like just very, um, I'm going to say the word boring. I shouldn't say that, but, you know, just old school. But I, I just feel that cathedral has really modernized. It's it's uh, it's happening. Oh, it is. Yeah. It is. People come. It's awesome because we get visitors from all over the world on a daily basis. But more and more times, we'll find people that will attend the 11 o'clock high mass with the choir, and they will convert like non-Catholics. will say, I-, I want some of that. You can't just run away from beauty when you experience it like that. And whenever you see a full church with young families, elderly, beautiful. I mean, just a well-rounded, beautiful community going right now, and that's a lot of tribute to Father Chester. Okay, just a couple of minutes left on the show, but I want to... I asked you your favorite Bible verse, and you told me Genesis one thirty eight. Um, tell me about that. I don't think I said Genesis one thirty eight. No, Luke one thirty eight. I apologize. Look, I wanted all the students to Luke. know. Behold, I am the handmaid of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to Thy word. That was Mary's words. Beautiful words. That's it. Like God is perfect. He's love. He knows our hearts better than us. Whatever it is, Lord, we want to do it. And so I, I, all the students at Cathedral know that Bible verse. It's a great one to know, and it's a great just mission to live by. Let it be done according to your word. Because whatever it is, it's awesome. It's going to be good. It might be terrifying, right? I did not want to hear, go and follow me to the priesthood. But praise the Lord, I'm here. And and we're so thankful for you for, for you being there and your, your yes to God. Thank you so much because you're just an awesome uh Soldier for Christ, I say that, you know, um, appreciate you so much. So 
Um, you've been listening to the Cajun Catholic Radio Show. It's just been our honor to have Father Andrew Schumacher on the show. And uh, with that, I think I'm going to let you, if you don't mind, take a, uh, say a prayer for us on, on the way out. We'll pray. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God, you are so good and so generous, and we want to do your will. So whatever it is, Lord, make it known, and we will say yes. We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, through the loving hands of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, I encourage you to engage the Cajun Catholic in you. Father, you've just been a blessing in my life, and I look forward to a lot of great times with you. Thank you, God Todd. It's great to be here.